My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. Ben, how are you, pal? One of the best guys in the United States Congress, Ben Cardin. <laughs> Folks, uh, welcome to the White House. That was the President of the United States of America and his first comments after the tragic situation that unfolded in Nashville, Tennessee today, March the 27th, 2023. We're going to talk about that tragic situation here on the Doctrine Matters podcast today. We're going to talk about the confusion and the chaos surrounding this series of tragic events. And we're going to talk about it from a biblical perspective and hope to bring glory and honor to God during this difficult time. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, as mentioned, we are going to be talking about the senseless tragedy that unfolded in Nashville, Tennessee on March the 27th, 2023. And we're going to be talking about um, just some of the questions that go along with something like this. Uh, when a mass shooting happens, whether it be at a church, at a school, or a nightclub even, or even doesn't have to be a shooting, it can be anything that is just a tragic situation on a grand scale. Many people have questions, and, and two of the same questions come up over and over every time one of these things happens. So we're going to just have a casual conversation about those things on this episode. We're going to talk about that. But first, if you don't know, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, today, the 27th of March, there was a female that is reported a female that went into a Christian private school called the Covenant School, which is a, um, a ministry, a school of uh, I believe it's a Covenant Presbyterian Church, and uh, this female went into this school and shot and killed three young children, I believe ages nine, nine, and eight, almost nine years old, so almost three nine years old, but two nines and an eight-year-old, and three adults, and allegedly or apparently the police showed up and killed the shooter. So we have this tragic situation, and then there's so much going on with this narrative. There's so many things that are being uh, that are being talked about. That things that are coming out. For instance, one of the things is uh, there is a lot of confusion and chaos surrounding the shooter, whether she was truly a female or a male. But either way, uh, she is labeled as a transgender, and uh, uh, there is some speculation that said she was born a female but was transitioning to be. A male. Others said she was a male transitioning to be a female. But whatever the case may be, in that alone, there's a lot of 
confusion and chaos. And let me just say this, that the Bible teaches that God is not a, a God of confusion or chaos, but a God of order. And in its context, immediate context, that scripture is talking about orderly church worship. But I believe that as we take that outside of the church, even into our society, when we see things unfold and see things happen, uh, God is still, if he's in it, if he's part of it, is not. it's not going to be confusion and chaotic. And when we see the transgender movement, it is nothing but chaos. There's confusion. For instance, again, when this person, they're trying to figure out, was it a male or a female? Uh, she had pronouns and then you get into finding if you if she is really a, a male transitioning to female then you are misgendering her uh and calling her female you're calling her her she and if see it's so confusing i can't even get it straight in my head but if she is a male transitioning to female and her LinkedIn profile uses he, him pronouns, but you continue to call him, her, you're still misgendering him because you're calling him a her. You see the confusion surrounding the transgender movement, folks? This is not of God. So let me just say this. I heard Vody Balkum say this this week weekend over at the uh, Ligonier Conference. I wasn't there. Listened to his sermon today. Uh, but give me a break with all of this gay Christian stuff is essentially what he said. Uh, I know there, there has been a lot of talk about Brandon Robertson having the debate with James White and uh, Jeff Durbin. And Brandon Robertson, if you've seen him, TikTok guy, claims to be a progressive Christian, and he is uh, a homosexual and thinks that homosexuals are Christians. No. Transgenders? No. The Bible teaches that there is... Male and female. Male and female, God created them. Not however many genders there are today, not transgendered, and um, not homosexual. I mean, this is sin, and this is a problem. So this is confusion, and when there is confusion and chaos, you can bet that it is not of God. Now, I'm not talking about if you get confused in reading the Bible and trying to understand the Bible. There's a difference, but when you just see like spinning a hamster wheel, it's over and over chaos and confusion. There is no God in that. And there is no God in the transgender movement in the LGBTQ LGBTQ movement. Excuse me. So many letters there. Um, and we have to acknowledge that and recognize that. So um, just in and of itself, the transgendered part of this, this female, male, whatever. Now you're going to have misinterpreting or, or, or misgendering people on the news and everywhere else you turn because we don't really know if it was a bi biological male or female that did this killing. Uh, I'm pretty convinced now, though, that it is a biological female who is transitioning to a male. And um, either way, uh, you, you get this story after story after story. They found two assault rifles, and, and listen, that flies in the face of the leftist narrative. They don't, they're trying to ban assault rifles, and, and, and then you have one of their own taking two assault rifles and a handgun into a Christian school and shooting up the place and killing six people while they're at it. So that is a whole mess in and of itself, and you're going to see a lot of talk about that coming up in the next several days, weeks, and months. Uh, you're likely going to hear about some... Uh, narratives being pushed. You're likely going to hear some truths being suppressed, and uh, you're going to hear a whole lot of talk about this. And 
what what gets me too is for me, I think this should be labeled a hate crime, but I, I'm willing to bet that nobody is going to label this a hate crime, although it was carried out on a Christian private school. Uh, but either way, uh, it's a tragic situation. And anytime there are children involved, it seems to be an even greater weight along with that. And um, and then you got the president of the free United States coming out and making silly statements about ice cream, joking about ice cream, uh, saying that a certain congressman is a fine individual, the greatest man in America, things like that. When there are families that are weeping over losing their loved one today and the president of the United States comes out laughing and smiling and making jokes. The only really political thing I want to say here is that if this were a person wearing a Make America Great Again hat going into a church or a private school or a school or a supermarket or whatever the case may be, and they shot and killed six people, then there would be panic in the streets. The president would come out somber. He would come out again uh, ready to kill all gun laws and get rid of assault rifles again and mental health background checks. And and he's likely may have done that. I don't know. I, had, I didn't watch the whole press conference, but he would not have come out making jokes about ice cream. So we have a problem with depravity right there in the White House. And it's clearly seen. But you know where else we have a, de- a, a problem of depravity? Right here in our own homes. We are all sinful people. We are all in need of the gospel. We are all in need of grace. We are all in need of forgiveness. And it's going to be quick to jump on the president and say how horrible he is. All cards on the table. I don't like the president, but I pray for the president. I pray that God would save the president and anybody else that is there with him that needs to be saved. I pray for these things. But seeing the the double standard or you know if if this person were to have done this it would be a whole different look it would be a hate crime but this type of person did it so we're just going to have a a a light-hearted joking day about it all before we get down to uh the brass tacks of this thing it's just uh heartbreaking to see the president come out like that and it's heartbreaking in general and one of the things that happens again as i mentioned when things like this go go on in our world is there are a couple of questions that are asked. One of those is where was God when this took place and why did he allow it to happen? If he's God, he could have intervened. He could have stopped it. And that's right. He could have if he had wanted to. And I know that's not going to sit well with some of you. And we'll talk about that. But for the first question, where was God when this happened? The same place he was when the last one happened. The same place he was during 9-11. The same place he was when Christ was crucified. The same place he was when Abraham died. He was on his throne. Sovereignly ruling and reigning over this entire universe. Now, there is no question that we would like to say, why God? Why did you allow this? But to to understand why God allowed it, we have to understand the Bible. So these two big questions, one is where was God? He was on his throne. None of this was 
has taken him by surprise. He knows all things. We believe in an all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God. So nothing takes him by surprise. And, and what happened today in Nashville, Tennessee, did not take God by surprise. It did not catch him off guard. It did not catch him napping. It did not catch him looking out at something else. And uh, it didn't catch him in a daydream. God knew exactly what was going to happen, even down to the minute. And some of you may say, well, what a ruthless and horrible God to allow something like that to happen. That is where we get into needing to understand the narrative of the Bible and things that have happened in the Bible before we can accuse God of being a, a ruthless person that uh, shouldn't have let this happen. How could he let it happen? He is heartless. He is all of these things. We have to go all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve and understand that God made Adam and Eve. He created them out of the dust. He created Adam and from his rib, he created Eve. So the first human beings on this earth were created by God to live in the garden and work it and enjoy it. And they were told not to eat from this one tree. But here we are. We have Satan who with a third of the angels fell from heaven, which is something that we will never understand on this side of eternity is something happened in heaven in eternity past that led to the destruction or the fall of Satan and a third of the angels with him. So now we have Satan and a third of these demonic angels on earth. And we have Adam and Eve who were, who were here put in the garden, told to work it, and to enjoy it, but stay away from this particular tree. And then here comes the crafty serpent. Here comes evil. Here comes evil in the garden. And uh, the serpent begins to talk to Eve. And Eve begins to talk back to the serpent, which was uh, uh, probably not the best thing to do. If you're, you're, you're talking to serpents, you shouldn't do that. And she was tempted. Adam allowed her to do what she was doing. Adam was le leading her as he should have been. She took this fruit ate it, and they were going to die. And the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. So that means everyone is going to die at some point and at some point in our lives there's there's nothing that says that we're going to live to be old. There's nothing that even says we're going to live to be young. Some children die sadly in the womb. Um, others die at birth. Others die in their infant stages. Others die as toddlers. Uh, some die at 110 years old. We just, we're not promised old age and we're not promised our next breath. But what we are shown in the scriptures is that bad things happen as a result of the first sin in the garden. Depravity entered the world. Romans chapter 5 teaches us because of one man's sin, Adam. Death and sin spread to all men, and with that comes sickness, disease, evil. Evil entered the earth as a result of this one sin in the garden, and now we are plagued with evil and sin on this side of eternity. So if you understand the Bible and if you understand who God is, when these things happen, you can say God is sovereignly sitting on his throne, and this happened as a result of sin. Sin has caused bad things to happen in our world, but we have also the promise of God that he is working all things, number one, for his glory, and number two, for the good of those that love him.
Now, we don't know what kind of good can come from this. Uh, we don't know how God is going to get his glory, but we know it's going to happen according to the scriptures. So these questions that people ask, where was God? He was on the throne. Why did this happen? Well, because of sin. Sin is evil and is a result of the fall in the garden. And nobody is exempt from this. Nobody is exempt from being a sinful person. We are all born with a sin nature. We are all totally depraved. We are wicked sinners. And the Bible says that we do not even seek God. God is the only good and amazing and appropriate. We can use the word awesome with him. He's the only appropriate one to use that word with. And I, I wanted to try to think through that because we use the word awesome just way too loosely. But God is the really the only appropriate one that we should use that word for because he is very awesome and he is amazing and worthy of our worship. But the problem is we have an unbelieving world who continues to suppress the truth that there is a God. So when things like this happen, they want to rail and, and, and shout at God and wonder why a quote unquote loving God would allow this to happen. This happened because of sin. And this is also happening because God is going to use it for his glory and for somebody's good. Now, as a believer, um, we may have questions. We may we we may be um, really upset. We may be frustrated. But there are some scriptures that are very, very appropriate for times like this. And if you're a true believer, these are going to be things that you run to instead of shaking your fist at God and asking Him why. If you understand the God of the Bible, you will understand that things like this have been happening for. Years and years and years, even in the Old Testament, we see murder. We see all sorts of things and we see it and it's going to continue until Christ comes back and makes all things new. Sin will be done away with. Uh, wickedness will be done away with. We will have no more mass shootings. We will have no more school shootings, no more church shootings. We will have no more shootings at all. We will have no more sin, sickness, sorrow, death, pain. It's all going to be amazing because God is going to restore this world and things will be made new and we will enjoy Christ forever as we were intended to, as Adam and Eve were intended to in the garden before sin entered the world. So we live in this already not yet. We live in a time where Christ has come and 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 began he's established his kingdom but then he died and ascended and one day he's going to come and make all of this right. It's going to end it once and for all and it's going to be amazing because those who are believers in Christ will be with him for eternity. And those that are not will be separated and life as we know it will be brand new and we will love every minute of it. Now, as Christians, when things like this happen, what can we what can we look at? And, and, and I just want to show you a couple of passages of Scripture here. Um, I'm not even going to show it to you. I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We, we tend to, at times, even as believers, think of God to be a God that is far off and a God that is um, not near or even care about the things that we're going through. But here, this passage of Scripture tells us that He is close 
and he's close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Another passage that we could look at is Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. This says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So many of the things that are happening in this world, we could easily get fearful of. We could uh, really try to turn and, and just cower away in, in timidness and fearfulness. But as Paul tells Timothy, he is not given. And we have been given uh, not those things. So we will have strength. We will be able to face this world and the things in this world. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength. That is where we get our strength from. That is where we are able to face the day is from God because he is our refuge. We were talking about this in our Sunday school class just yesterday. Uh, our Sunday school teacher, Pastor Philip Powers, said that uh, God is our refuge, and he likened it to a tornado. And I just kind of Watched tornadoes pass to my north and south a couple days before this Sunday school lesson when I was visiting family in Mississippi. And he says, what do we do when we see a tornado coming? We go to the cellar, cellar or shelter and we are seeking refuge from the storm. We are seeking a hiding place, a place to get out of the storm. That is who God is for us as believers. He is our hiding place. He is our refuge. He is our safe place from the storm. He is what is going to watch over and protect us. And this scripture says an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, when all of these things happen, when all of these things go on in our world, we will be able to be strong because of who God is in our lives. And then when we get to Matthew chapter 5, we read the words, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's a lot of mourning going on right now, and if, if if this doesn't make you mourn, three young children and three adults lost their lives today to a senseless act, then, man, we need to check our hearts because this is a time to mourn. This is the time to mourn with those families. This is a time to go to God and intercede for these families in prayer and pray for them and approach the throne and make our requests known to God who will help these families out. And then we read in John chapter 16, uh, we, we read that there are going to be troubles in this world. There are going to be things that happen in this world, evil things, things that uh, make us suffer, things that, are, uh, that make us mourn, things that are just terrible that happen in this life. But Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We can have peace during this difficult time. We can have peace knowing that God has already overcome the world. Listen, in this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I, being Christ, have overcome the world. So we put our faith and our trust in the one who has already overcome all of these things, and we can have peace when we do that. And then another one for believers, and, and, and I pray that God would save people through this. I pray that they would come to a saving relationship with Christ. Uh, but for us believers, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 is just an absolute beautiful verse. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not just some of your anxiety, not just part of your anxiety, not just half of your anxiety or three quarters of your anxiety, 
but cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That may be hard to do, but it's what the Bible tells us to do. We need to do our best to take all of the things that uh, cause us anxiety, that cause us to worry and cast those burdens upon the Lord because he cares for us and he will help us through whatever it is that we're dealing with. So there, these are just a few of a lot of passages of Scripture that we can go to when um, things like this happen, when we see school shooting after school shooting, and we don't know what to say, where to turn, what to do. And quite frankly, we just need to turn to the Scriptures. We just need to turn to the Bible and the Word of God and read it and believe it and study it and all of these things. Um, as a matter of fact, I want to do that now. I've got, I've got a handful of Bibles laying around me right here. I'm just grab one of these. Uh, I want to go to 2 Timothy and just show you something, that this, too, this type of behavior shouldn't take us by surprise either. Many people are going to politicize it. They're going to try to uh, make it a political thing and, and let them do what they want to do. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he says this, starting in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Remember, Jesus said there's going to be trouble in the world, but take heart. He's overcome the world. We can rest in him and put our faith in him. Uh, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So we should not be surprised when things like this happen because God has told us that they're going to happen. And we need to take heart, trust in God, and put our faith in Him even when there is a generation now that is wicked as wicked can be. And it's because of Romans 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 18. They are continually suppressing the truth. So we shouldn't be surprised when evil happens, when evil happens right in front of us. Um, we just pray. We go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we stay uh, in prayer. We pray for families. We intercede on their behalf. We um, trust God in all things. And that's what we can do. So I, I, I just there's so much going on right now, and it just happened today. And and I hate just kind of throwing stuff out there as soon as it happens without getting all the facts. But there are a lot of facts here surrounding this already. Uh, but one thing I do know: the questions are going to come. And again, where was God on His throne, sovereignly ruling and reigning? Why did He allow it to happen? We live in a fallen world, sin, wickedness. We just read from Second Timothy that these things are going to happen in the last days. The, the, these things are going to continue to grow. These things are happening all around us, and it shouldn't take us by surprise when it does. So as believers, we trust Christ. We trust God that he is doing what he wants to see done, and, and everything is working out to the counsel of his will, and we trust that even though we don't understand that. Uh, we continue to pray, and we trust him. And if you aren't a believer and you've stumbled across this, um, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you of your sin because you are a sinner against a holy and perfect God. And 
Uh, you may be one of those who have suppressed the truth and don't believe in God, but let me tell you, on Judgment Day, it'll be too late. You'll stand before him by yourself and have to give an account for your life and what you did with Christ. So I pray that you would repent of your sin. That means to seek forgiveness for your sin. Ask God to forgive you. Turn from your sinful lifestyle and put your faith in Christ Jesus who came and lived a perfect life, died the death you deserved, was buried, and on the third day rose again, and he is now seated at the right hand of God. And one day he's coming back, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. And I pray before that day happens that you would repent of your sin and believe that Jesus did die for you and that he died for your sin, and that you would be cleansed, and that you would begin a new relationship with Christ, trusting him even when this life doesn't seem fair, even when this life is something that we can't understand, that you trust Christ anyway, and you believe that he is doing what he's doing. So I hope as you find yourself mourning this loss and this tragic event, I hope that you would go to the Lord in prayer, interceding on the behalf of those families that lost loved ones today. And if you're not a Christian, I pray that you would repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until next time, have a great day, great week, and God bless.